My name is Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. This podcast will be about my story and my words, talking about my own personal experiences and self-healing. I do not claim to be a therapist, counselor, or licensed psychologist. Hello, my name is Amanda Bedard, and I'm the co-host, producer, and editor of Invisible Tears. I'm a Reiki master, certified professional life coach, spiritual coach, wellness coach, and a counseling practitioner. Some of the content you will hear in this podcast may be disturbing to some. Viewer discretion is advised, but it is our hope by putting this information out there that we may help others to heal. We will always be a platform for truth and healing. This is Invisible Tears. Hi, I'm Jane. And I'm Amanda, Jane's life coach. And welcome to the Jane and Amanda Show, where we focus on mental health and healing. I'm here with Amanda today, my life coach and my ride or die. (laughs) And um, today, Amanda, I have a very special guest. She is the author of an award-winning book, Held Hostage. She's been a motivative speaker and she is the CEO of Verb Media Group. In 2002, her and her seven-year-old daughter at the time were held hostage by three masked men that had guns and they strapped them in dynamite, held them hostage. And the next day they made her leave her daughter that was still (laughs) strapped in dynamite or explosives and made her go and rob the bank she was working at. She was the vice president. So this is Michelle Renee. She has inspired me for so many years. Uh, Her healing, her strength, she's just amazing. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here talking to you. I know we've been in touch for so many years, so it's really great to actually be here on your podcast where we get to have a a great casual chit-chat for all your listeners. Thank you for being here. Let's get the bad out of the way. The people that that did this to you and Bria, um, are, are they still in jail? They, they were convicted, right? Yeah, they were all convicted, um, serving multiple life sentences plus 64 years. However, there was a new law in California um, that was passed for anybody that was under the age of 25 at the time of their violent crime. There is now a third... Uh, there used to be, you know, you're tried as an adult or you're tried as a minor. Well, now there's a third category that's called adult-ish or minor or young-ish um, that says between the ages of 18 and 25, you're not fully developed, apparently, according to this new whatever was passed. And so they were actually able to come up for early parole because two of the three men were 25 at the time, barely under the wire. Um, And so one of them uh, was denied parole twice so far, the ringleader, who, you know, in my opinion, I think there are people behind bars that are, 
you know, they do the work and they are rehabable and they, there is a redemption story there and there is a healing story there. And, you know, those are, those are the ones that are worth rooting for. You know what I mean? I do. Um, and Absolutely. so one of them came up for parole um, and we have a, there's a story that we'll get into about him, but he recently came up for parole and my daughter spoke up at his parole hearing and he was just recently released. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. How do you feel about that? Well, we're going to go meet him on April the 20th, so I feel really great about it. Oh, see, that that that, that is amazing strength that you have to, to be able to do that. Um, it proves, it, it shows people what kind of person you really are. Uh, well, thank you. Well, we ended up writing, um, you know, a long time ago. I think you know when I started Rock to Stop Violence and we were doing you know, big concerts and events. And um, one of the band members said, hey, we would really like to do a, a, a music video about your story. And so we ended up doing this music video about our story, but I wanted the end of it to be all about healing and, you know, really not a lot of people, you know, when they go through trauma, they're, they then get prescribed all of these drugs or they turn to drinking more alcohol or whatever it is and addiction the video really about saying no to all of that because yeah you can slot you can go from being in this crazy traumatized state from something bad that happened and slide right into addiction without barely even noticing and the next thing you know you have another you know you have you have a compounded problems and issues on top of trauma and it's just it, it's really kind of this dangerous trap in my opinion um and I just didn't want that. I didn't want that for myself. I didn't want that for my daughter. I didn't want her to see me go down that path. Um, and they were. They were trying to prescribe us, you know, medications. And I was just like, I'm not doing any of this. I want to find out what it would be like to heal in a really positive way. And that's exactly what I, I chose to do. And this music video depicts that. And so at the very end of the music video, I decided I was going to write the one person that turned around to me at the sentencing and said, I'm sorry. And his name is Robert Ortiz. And in that music video, we literally mail a letter to him at the very end of the music video. And it is the actual letter that we mailed to him years ago. And we got a response from him at the beginning of last year after eight years. (laughs) What was his response? It was incredible. Was the it? letter that we sent changed his life completely in prison. And so we are, there's a lot more to the story and a lot more to his response. It was a three page letter. Um, and it is uh, it's just quite a journey that we've been on, really focusing on our own redemption and our own healing and our own journey and taking everything that could possibly be positive from such a horrific, violent, traumatic event forward. And a lot of people don't understand that there are so many positive things you can extract, even from trauma, the things that I learned, the better mother I became, the better, the more gratitude I I was able to focus on, the fact that I started really appreciating the little things, you know, in life and being thankful for the people in my life more and not being so busy in a corporate role that I, you know, that I, I was really neglectful in other areas of my life. So 
something that catastrophic and violent and traumatic actually brought a perspective that nothing else probably ever would have brought to my life and gave me, you know, sort of this new sense of, of commitment to other areas of my life that I didn't have before. And and that's what you're focusing on. Your, your, your next book is going to be focused on, correct? Yes, exactly. That's yeah, what you're really, writing right really now. fun to be writing. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was reading um, an article in San Diego Union Tri- Tribute. You did a, a interview with them, and um, one of the quotes they quoted you on uh, really hit me because this this really relates to me too. Um, they quoted you saying, "By writing it all down, I was giving my trauma destination, so it couldn't breed inside me." I once I started healing, I began doing a, a tremendous amount of writing, and it, mm-hmm. I, I was writing things um, from like 15 years ago the way I felt, and didn't even realize how much it was it was um, having anything to do with my life, uh, how how much it was impacting my life, and and now mm-hmm. that I'm doing a lot of writing, I'm doing a lot of writing right now, and boy, I look back and think, oh my God. I wish I had the same mind frame today than I did then. Um, and, I, and I wish I had started writing a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, that's exactly, I mean, just giving it, giving all of those thoughts and the, and the trauma and the fear and the panic and the anxiety, giving all of that stuff sort of a, a home outside of yourself and outside of your mind you know, onto paper or what have you is really, you know, was something that was really important for me to do. And I think what's really great about your story and the fact that you didn't start doing that immediately is that you have so much more all of those years that you really grappled with the effects of the trauma and what that was doing to you, you know, whether it be emotional or physical or whatever. You have so many years to draw from now in those experiences that you can write about and inspire people and say, I went through this, this, I stayed stuck in this spot for all these years. And mm-hmm. as I was stuck there, this is what I was going through. And now coming out of that, you know, you have, a, you have this huge well to draw from that I think is actually pretty phenomenal. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was stuck for so many years. Um, and, and I battled addiction. I think, we talked, I think we talked about that. We talked about that on Facebook and messaging and yeah. and stuff. I, I think that was one of the things that we that we were we were both talking about, which is how so many you know survivors that that's what happens. They get stuck in that moment of you know victimhood, and they yeah. don't know how to get out of that. And they think if I move forward and I do heal and I do forgive and I do all of these things that it means that it made it okay, when that's really not it at all. Yeah, absolutely. I can remember one of our first conversations. I can remember ex- I can remember exactly. I can tell you where I was sitting in my house, the time of night. We were talking on the phone, and that one of the things that you said to me was, and at that time, my life was a mess. I was, I, I had not... Um, began counseling yet um i 
I, I hadn't even began healing. My, my life was a mess. One thing that you said to me was I needed to forgive. And that stuck with me for so long. I, I thought about it for, for a couple of years. And, and, it, and at that moment in my life, at that time, there was no way I was forgiving. There was, there was no yeah. way I was going to forgive. You weren't ready. I was not ready. But I think you and I had different definitions of forgiveness um, mm-hmm. for many reasons. Because, for one, you had justice. Um, they knew who did this to you. They were convicted. Mm-hmm. They went to jail. And they did show some remorse for what they did to you, correct? Only one of them. One of them did. So you kind of had a direction to forgive. With my, with my situation, for one, I have nobody to even um, to forgive. I don't know who did mm-hmm. this to me. I've never seen justice. And I've never seen remorse. So to me, forgiveness was just so difficult. And then one day I was um, watching Oprah Winfrey, and she had these two sisters on that went through horrendous, uh, uh, horrendous things. Um, her, their, their brother and their father molested them from a very young age. And um, they were talking about forgiveness. And Oprah Winfrey... Um, her definition of forgiveness, she was explaining, um, and I and I wrote it down. It, it, her her definition is, forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could have been any different. It's accepting the past for what it was and using this moment and this time to help yourself move forward. I I wrote it down. And I read that probably a hundred times in the matter of a couple of weeks. And I finally sat down and said to myself, you know what? I can do that. I can forgive the situation that I had no control over. But I also have to leave it in the past and move forward, learn from it, accept it, but then move forward and... um what i'm try what what i've tried to do the past few years is turn something that happened to me that was so negative into a positive and yeah and that's exactly it i love what you just quoted oprah as saying because that that really is exactly it and i think and and your situation the complexities were very different, right? The circumstances and the complexities that you yeah. just shared were very different. And so, um, it, it, and it's very different for everybody, you know? I mean, I think, um, you know, people that people that are rape survivors that go through stuff like this, people that have lost their children, you know, there's to, to violent crimes and things like that. Their process is going to be different. The complexities are going to be a little bit different. The characters in play are going to be, you know, different and so forth. But I think what is the same across all of this is that how do we go from trauma to living a triumphant life? Mm -hmm. And that to me is really 
where the deep work comes in because even though this violent situation happened to me that one night in November, it also brought up a bunch of stuff from my childhood that was I grew up in a violent, you know, household um, and, and, and ran away at a really young age. So there was a lot of stuff. And, and I didn't look back. I was just like, I'm going to prove myself to the world, you know, and <laughs> go be a, a career banker. I'm going to do all these things, right? And I did all of these things. And then it all came crashing down. And suddenly I realized I'd never dealt with any of the bad stuff in my life. So it was time for me to really dig into all the stuff in my life that this event was the catalyst for me sort of opening Pandora's box of my life and really looking at it all. And I think, you know, for for a lot of people, they end up being so focused on this one thing that happened to them on this one night that they're not looking at the rest of their life and saying, how can I now take all of this and heal and construct a life that's going to make me more grateful, that's going to make me more humble, that's going to make me want to live more because I now have the second chance at life. I didn't die during this horrific event. I'm still here. So what is that going to look like after I heal? I think it's important people know that I went through, you know, two and a half years of pain and I still have some effects of PTSD. That is still, it's not prevalent it's not something that's there constantly or something that I deal with very often at all but there are still some triggers for myself and my daughter but I think to be able to look at the whole picture and say how am I going to now design a life that is going to look with without a lack for a lack of a better word right now but that's going to look you know beautiful again that's going to look maybe a little bit more peaceful that's going to look differently than staying in my state of trauma and holding on to that victimness because that's all I have to hold on to. And and a lot of people just really hold on to that because it's all that they have that, that is, that is, that lets them know that what happened wasn't okay. Does that make sense? Oh, it definitely does. I mean, my, one of my biggest turning points was when I finally, finally said to myself, I am no longer a victim. I am a survivor. Because when I labeled myself, when when I labeled myself a survivor, I kind of put myself in this category of weakness. And as soon Mm -hmm. as I said, no, I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm a survivor. I survived. I survived something horrendous. And I want to be a survivor and I'm going to be a survivor. And it almost like gave me this strength and this power and, and, and just, um, it changed my life completely. Um, it's amazing what a mindset shift will do. I mean, it just permeates every area of your life. And next thing you know, you shift your mindset and you're like, Oh my gosh, now that I've shifted this mindset, I'm attracting, a completely different new set of sort of individuals and inspiring people and the different things and experiences and the things that are showing up in my life that, I mean, it's amazing what happens when we shift our mindset and all these other things start showing up and you're like, Oh my gosh. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I I mean, I felt so alone for so long that as soon as I started healing and, and I shifted my, my whole mind frame to, to be in a survivor, mm-hmm. 
I, I, all I wanted to do is share with other people because I know there's so many other people out there still suffering. PTSD sucks, and it doesn't uh, go away. I mean, and, and it's real, and not just people that are out in combat in the military. Like PTSD is no joke. No, <laughs> I agree. I agree. The flashbacks and the triggers and. I mean, I can still, I, I mean, literally, if I close my eyes, I can still smell the boots under my nose on the carpet. Like, I still hear the ripping sound of duct tape. Like, there are certain things that people don't understand when you go through a super violent traumatic event that, that, that it, it is attached to your senses, you know, too. So there's certain smells and sounds and sights and different things that, that, that trigger you to go back to that memory and I think when we heal like you and I have decided to do even though I get triggered back to remembering what happened I don't relive it anymore and for me that's the difference I can yeah. remember without reliving it and that's the point where I knew my healing had really come full circle because I can talk about it I can remember it a smell or a sound or someone's voice or something could totally remind me of it and I'm not hurled back into that situation feeling all of those things i'm simply remembering i'm no longer reliving exactly exactly that's the way i feel too um you know mm -hmm. they they say if you can tell your story without tears you began healing mm -hmm. mm -hmm. agree i know um with my ptsd yeah i still have triggers too and um uh, i feel a lot of anxiety once in a while but I also, through, through my counseling, I've learned um, how to use tools to um, address my symptoms when they come. I'm, I'm more aware of my symptoms, especially when they start. And um, since I've been diagnosed with PTSD and understand it, because I didn't understand mm -hmm. it at first. Like when they first diagnosed me, I was like, are you no, I don't have PTSD. That's and like you said, it, it, that's for you know, war veterans. It's, it, it, you know, I, I kind of went into a denial with it, and um, and then when I started um, really researching the the symptoms, and was connecting to all the symptoms, I was like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I, I guess I do have PTSD. So when does it go away? And it doesn't go away. But you learn to make you make you learn to make room for it, and mm -hmm. you you have tools. You know, I have tools where I know what to do when I start feeling these symptoms, and mm -hmm. you know, it, it's PTSD doesn't go away. It, it's always with you, but it's all in how you want to, um, or it's, with myself, it's all in how much do I want to um, allow it to run my life. And, and I came yeah, to a point where I didn't want it to run my life anymore. So mm -hmm. I, I, I chose to, you know, okay, I have it. I have the symptoms once in a while. Um, I'll address them when I, when I have them. And, um, and I try to move on past it. No, I think that's great. And you're right. I mean, it's to the point where you, you get to the point where you're like, I'm going to control it and it's not going to control me, you know, and you exactly. can put these and tools and stuff in place what's your go-to tool what do you what's your 
What's your number one thing when you feel? Because a lot of people, for me personally, and in my experience, PTSD, it diminishes, and I have very few triggers now. I know what the big, I know what the remaining ones are. But you're right. I don't know that it ever fully goes away. In my experience, it has not fully gone away. But I would say we're about 95% there, you know, 90, 95% there. We have a couple of little triggers left. But mm-hmm. I think um, I, I, I would love to hear what your go-to is when you – because I can feel it almost coming. It's almost like a, a tremor, like you feel – you know, like you have an earthquake and then they have an aftershock. Well, it's kind of like a before shot. Like I feel it coming. Yeah, I do. Like, I, I feel anxiety. Anxiety is probably one of my my biggest triggers. Mm-hmm. And um, when I feel it, I, I my, my my therapist gave me the perfect example of what to do. And it works for me. It may not work for everybody, but it works for me. Say you're outside and you got a bee flying around you and it just won't go away. And you're trying to concentrate on something and that bee is still there and it's flying around you. And then you start feeling anxiety about it. You start feeling like, God, I wish this thing would just go away. I just want to focus on what I'm doing. And she says, so what do you do? Go in the house. You get away from that bee, remove yourself from the situation, refocus on something different, and then you don't even think about that bee anymore. So I, that's like one of the tools I use. I try, to, I try really hard to remove myself from a negative situation. Figure out one. Mm-hmm. First, figure out why am I feeling this anxiety? Like really think about it. Why am I feeling anxiety? Okay, I'm feeling anxiety for whatever reason. And then remove myself from that okay like if i'm feeling anxiety about um say i gotta get somewhere really quick and i'm feeling like i'm gonna be late oh my god i'm gonna be late but then i think all right so what if i'm late what's gonna happen if i'm late the world is not gonna end (laughs) the sky's not gonna come crashing down i'm late Mm -hmm. and so i have to accept that so those are kind of the tools that I use. Um, when, you're one of my tools. <laughs> I, um, I love your <laughs> One of my things is I, um, sometimes I wake up, not very often, but once in a while, I wake up in a mental funk. Um, just, um, just mentally, I do not want to face the day. I just do not want to get out of bed I know I have things to do and just to just for whatever reason feel and it's not even a lazy feeling it's just mentally I'm just feeling crappy and one morning I was feeling that way I mean there have been times when I'd be in bed for two days just because I felt so mentally crappy one morning i Woke up feeling mentally crappy. I rolled over, grabbed my phone. You're, I, I have you on my Facebook, friends. I went to scroll on my phone, and all of a sudden, you had a post there. And it was as if that post was directed to me. And I believe the post said something about, um, it's time to get up, face the world, and be the best me I can be today. And I was like, holy crap. She's speaking to me. How does she know I feel so mentally crappy today? And you know what? I was 
probably I was probably feeling the same thing that day, and I posted that for myself. <laughs> well, it was as if you were talking directly to me, and I got up and I and I, I motivated myself, and I and. You know, but that has happened a few times with you where um, now I just go, uh, if I'm feeling that funk, I'll go directly to your post. <laughs> oh, my God. Go directly so to your page. And I'm like scrolling. Yep, Michelle's got to have something on here to inspire me today to, you know, oh. get me motivated. And I always find something. Always find something. So, yeah, you are one of my tools. Well, it's, <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because, uh, you know, and you know, like what you're like, you're doing your podcast and you're doing all these things. And I know I'm not alone in this, like my inner critic starts and I go to post or I've been posting, you know, like I post my poetry because I, he, I, my, I, I live and breathe in the creative space. Like I, I need to write, I need to take photos. I need to, you know, get out and do my videography stuff that I do. It, it feeds my soul. It's like air for me. I need music, right? And so, but my inner critic creeps, creeps in and goes, you know, why are you posting this? No one cares. This is stupid. <laughs> you know, the, all that stuff, the, 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 the negative self-talk creeps in and starts up. So to hear you say that, you know, really, really oh, yeah. helps me yeah, to don't, don't stop know posting that stuff what like I that. am putting out because I'm such an open book person oh, and you I are. put it all out there um, that that really that I really 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 appreciate you saying that because it gives me you know sometimes I have those moments too where the the negative self-talking self-sabotaging <laughs> critic is trying to take over and I'm sitting here being the dragon slayer going nope nope not today not today <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely know. don't stop doing that because I do need you to do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, deal. <laughs> uh-huh. deal. Um, so, Michelle, actually being in that creative space with using, you know, your writing and the photography and the videography and, and uh, the, the, that's all just so beautiful. I get that so much. Um, are those your tools? for you to deal with your triggers with the PTSD when it comes up? Or do you have other tools? Yeah. I mean, I have other tools. It was funny because when you were talking about when you were going through it too, it, you know, it reminded me of when I was going to therapy and to anybody out there listening. I mean, the right trauma therapist is life-saving, is life-changing, is life-saving. I had the most unbelievable you know, trauma therapist that was that specialized in um, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so we went through this cognitive behavioral therapy with her, exactly what you just said about not just getting yourself out of that situation, but reframing that. So we, when we first started going through therapy with her, it was like two and a half years. I think I was in therapy with her to, you know, before I felt like I could graduate, we called it grad. We were, we went through this whole little graduation thing. It was great. But one of the things was we went back to the house where all this terrible stuff happened and we cranked really fun music from the car speakers and we danced around and we walked the property and we remembered every good thing that ever happened there that wasn't that one night. We were not going to allow that one night to destroy and it didn't erase every other good memory we had there. 
So we went back to replace that memory with something good. And that was something that was a really big tool for me that I learned. And it's the same thing when I have triggers showing up. We, I turn on fun 70s music. Yesterday, I was dancing in my living room, listening to fun 70s music, <laughs> because when I start feeling anxiety or I start, you know, feeling, you know, that self-sabotaging critic that shows up every once in a while, I'll put on fun music and start dancing in my living room and go, nope, not today. Like, I really, or I'll, I'll watch a comedy, or I'll go out and I'll go for a walk exactly like you, and then I'll start to remember this isn't then. Yeah. Right, I right. get myself right back into the moment of right now, in this moment, I'm in this great apartment, I have a beautiful view of the city. Yes, everything you do. Is fine. <laughs> yeah, so everything is, everything is great, just pull myself back into the current moment and into just full-blown gratitude in that moment, and that and that's probably my biggest tool. Music is a big tool for me. Meditation's a really big tool for me. And then I've always been creative. I've been writing poetry and writing since I was in high school. And so I went and I forgot about it. I stopped. Then this is one. That, so again, you think about the positive things that a traumatic situation can sort of uncover if you decide that you want to look for those gems, you know. Um, and so one of the things I, I didn't write do anything creative for years and years and years because I was in corporate America. I was in a suit every day. I was working, you know, 12 hours a day. I was a single mom and I had forgotten about the things that really passionately feed my soul and that's nature and creativity and music. So I ended up through the situation. I started writing again and then I ended up painting like 53 pieces of post-trauma artwork that were ended up being on display at Children's Hospital in the trauma center for a while. And oh, that's so amazing. we have to sort of tap back into those things that, you know, maybe we had forgotten about for so long that made us happy that a busy life and a career and being a mom and all of these things might have, you know, been piled on top of that to the point where it's so buried that we forgot about the things that make us truly truly feel joy and feel happiness and feel you know content and make us feel like we're so ourselves in that moment and so I ended up getting back to those things and I still do a lot of that today so that's why I decided that's why I write that's why I started writing my poetry again and I post my poetry on my Instagram um, and sometimes on Facebook too but I'm really a writer and so when these people came to me and said can you do this music video I ended up falling absolutely in love with creating visual stories and visual content which is what led me to start studying videography going back to school studying everything I could know about digital marketing and launching my company to being able to do what I do now because I wanted to create something that was you know creative that I love but also create something because We'll skip to this in a minute. My daughter became really, really sick, and I had to walk away from my business that I had started and my Rock to Stop Violence events and things like that. I had to walk away from all that to become her full-time caregiver for about two years. And once she was able to walk again and everything, I decided during that two years I was going to study everything about visual storytelling. And when she was able to stand on her own two feet again, literally, um, I decided to relaunch 
to relaunch my company and turn it into a video podcast and photo production company, which is what we are today. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now back to our episode. Now, what is, I've seen the video that you guys made. Um, What was the name of it? Which video? Um, It's called Fall Into Morning. Fall Into Morning. It's the name of the band. Fall Into Morning is the name of the band, and the name of the song is called Dusty Road. Yeah, if if you guys want, the the video is amazing. Um, I've seen it. Um, Look it up. It's a a must-see, absolutely a must-see. I I believe it's still on. That was so so long ago. That was my first video sort of production kind of anything that I did. And so it's funny, I look at it now because I'm – I've grown so much in terms of my skills that I, I look at it now and I go, oh, yeah, I could have done that better. I could have done that different. But I really love that video for what the message in that video is all about. So, Oh, the yeah, message was so strong. The message was so yeah. strong. It really, I mean, I know me watching the video, it really put me right in there. It, it, it was, I was right mm-hmm. there, you know, amongst what was going on. It, it was a really good video. I mean, do not downplay that, that at all. <laughs> I mean, it's about PTSD at the very yes. beginning of that video. It talks about PTSD statistics in our country. And the video also shows my daughter. I mean, we don't think about our children, what they deal with going through PTSD. My daughter was in the in the throes of PTSD as a seven and a half year old and that lasted a really long time and she still has you know some of that lingering a little bit like I do as well but I mean think about that what are her relationships to men going to look like after going through that experience and being attacked by men and the other things that sort of happened you know with her dad there's so much that goes on with that is beneath the surface of a traumatic experience that people don't really dive deeply into and look at the effects of this. And one of them is our children going through and experiencing PTSD. It was, it was absolutely heartbreaking to watch that. I can only imagine. See my daughter curled up in a ball in a corner, afraid of everything and everyone wetting her pants all the time at school afraid of Santa Claus like I could go on and on of the list of what my girl had to what we had to work through in my own trauma and my own traumatic state and PTSD and also watch her go through this and help her through that at the same time it was unbelievably difficult yeah and then and then uh Bria was diagnosed with MS (laughs) That you documented that quite a bit. That was heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Yeah, and so we'd gone through this traumatic, you know, kidnapping, home invasion, a hostage situation, and you know, a, you know, several years after that, she ended up collapsing and becoming blind and paralyzed on her entire left side of her body um, with a just a catastrophic onset of multiple sclerosis, a, a really rare form of it called tumefactive MS. And so I had to walk away from everything that I was doing and become her full-time caregiver. And I decided to start building a company that someday would hopefully, you know, I needed the flexibility to be able to be there for her. But I also wanted to create something that hopefully one day she could be a part of 
too that would give her the flexibility to live a full life um, with the least amount of stress, which is a big factor for people with multiple sclerosis. That would be, you know, something that would be a really great opportunity for her as well. So I've been working really, really, really hard since 2012 um, to build something that, that could, you know, support both of us and help us live you know, a really beautiful life filled with, you know, creativity and laughter and making other people happy through visual creative content. So it's been quite the journey. Yes. I mean, you guys are all over the place. You guys um, do a lot of traveling. That's when I booked you, I had to ask you what time zone you were going to be in. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's one of my tools is traveling. That's a big tool for me. I, Traveling makes me really happy. I'm a curious, I'm a very curious person by nature. I want to know about the places and the people that inhabit the places and the traditions and the cultures. And, you know, my daughter and I ended up while I was, you know, while she was healing and going through online classes and stuff, we ended up taking a world religion class together and just studying different things and bioanthropology. And so, you know, we ended up really, I'm just curious, and she loves to travel, and it just really works out for us to be able to travel a lot for our work, for the work that I do, because she's now my executive assistant. And so we travel a lot to film events and CEOs and influencers and people all over, really. Um, and so it actually works out really well that we both love to travel so much. But that was a huge, that was one of the biggest things that we did to you know, get back out into the world to try to be unafraid. And that's a big thing after violent trauma. You know, you're kind of afraid of your own shadow. Mm -hmm. And at least that was our experience. And so the book that I'm writing now is about the perspective of a nine-day road trip that I took driving from San Diego to Alaska by myself and camping and sleeping in my car and learning how to be in the world again unafraid. And so... Um, that's really that's really what the book is about. That's getting ready to that's in development right now. Oh, I can't wait to read this book. I can't either. I really can't. I can't either. You know, oh, Bria. Thank you. Getting back to Bria. I mean, she's she has been through so much, and she just Man. every time you you post a video of her, she's so positive with life, and just so positive mm-hmm. about everything. And yeah, she's she's definitely an inspiration to many, definitely. I think so too. And I, you know, this is a good thing. You and I are both we're mamas, right? Oh yeah. So I think it's a, you know, the message to get out to parents. You know, we're all going through, especially these last couple of years. There's a lot of people that are, you know, they're hurting and they're, you know, just in survival mode or you know, they're healing from certain things in their life, including violent trauma. But I think for me, one of the biggest, biggest things that I could not ignore was that I knew that my example of how to heal post-traumatic events was going to be how she was going to learn to heal. So I knew that I was modeling recovery and that she was going to follow my lead. And so if I'm taking pills and I'm drinking wine every night and I'm numbing out and I'm not healing, what example am I setting for her? What am I, how am I teaching her how to heal? And so for me, that was one of the biggest driving forces 
in my healing journey and in everything I've done, <laughs> really every single thing I've done since then has really been focused on what example am I setting for her, including my healing, including how I talk about it, including my mindset, including, you know, even even till today, you know, how grateful I am and the things that I make sure that I do that make me happy and experience and cultivate joy. Um, those are the things that she's learning from my example. And that is true for all parents yes. and all kids. And they're really, even when you don't think they're paying attention, oh, they they're are. paying oh, attention. They are. <laughs> they're, they're absorbing energy. They're absorbing your words. They're absorbing your anxiety. They're absorbing your whatever it is that you're putting out. They are picking up on some level and so I think it's really important as we go through this this process and bravo to parents out there who are going through it you know surviving and healing from a traumatic experience while being parents that is something that is I just can't even explain how difficult it is to sort of I mean you just feel like you're dredging through the thickest mud and quicksand every minute of every single day it's just overwhelming and so so difficult and I think for me focusing on the example I needed to set for my daughter and that goes for forgiveness too like how did I want to teach her how to feel about these people they made a mistake they were desperate what happened in their life before they did this to us like what was their conditioning what happened to them to make them believe that this was their only option like you know I was very curious about the psychology of it from their perspective and talking to her about that saying we don't know these people we don't know what happened to them in their life before they made a horrific decision they traumatized us they victimized us they did this horrific thing to us this one night but look what they did to themselves, too. Look okay. what they did to their own lives. Um, and we're not going to let them ruin the rest of our lives. They ruined that night. They ruined a lot. They, they, they took away a lot of things. But we can choose to gain more than we lose, and we can choose to, you know, seek to understand and ask different kinds of questions instead of just, why did this happen to me, and stay stuck on that. We can ask different questions that, that – you know, revolve around understanding and revolve around evolving. And so that's really the example I wanted to set for her. I, I like the way that you say, um, you know, you choose. You can yeah. come to a point where you can choose how you really want to feel about the situation. Um, and it right. is a choice. You don't realize it at first. Um, I know with my healing I didn't feel I had a choice. I, I was stuck in a mode mm -hmm. that this is how I'm going to feel and nobody's going to change my mind. Um, mm -hmm. I have no choice um, from feeling the way I felt because I had no choice on what happened to me that night. But then as I started healing, I started realizing I do have choices. I, I do have the choice mm -hmm. of do I dwell on this and let it control my life or do I want to choose to say, okay, now I want to control my own life? And um, that, that was pretty huge for me with, with my healing. Yeah, I agree 150%. It's, you know, I, I say it all the time. You, you didn't have a choice. 
you didn't have a choice in becoming a victim that night. We didn't have a choice in becoming victims that night. But how long we stay a victim is our choice. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I've seen you refer yourself to a dreamer a few times. Can you explain that? (laughs) (laughs) A dreamer. A dreamer. Oh, my gosh. So I, yeah, so the people who know me really well, they they. You know, one of my ber- my best friends all call me like granola cookie and the tree hugging hippie friend. <laughs> I am the consummate hippie gypsy soul. I'm very much a dreamer. I'm the big thinker. I get the big visual ideas that I just need to tell somebody what they are so they can go implement them. But I'm very much a dreamer. You know, I I enjoy actually having you know these these big dreams and thinking about the experiences I'm going to have in Greece one day because I haven't been there yet and it's really a a goal for me or you know even the smaller sort of dreams where I dream about sitting up on a stage with the the guy who attacked us that's getting ready that that was released from prison that we're getting ready to go meet I dream about being on a stage with him next to him talking about our collective journey, talking about his redemption story and his healing, not just my own, because I think his is just as important. I dream about all of these kinds of things, you know, and the things that I want to accomplish and my goals and the the experiences that I want to have in the world all the time. Who inspires you? My daughter. Yeah. My daughter inspires me every single day. This girl is just something else. I'm I'm really lucky to get to be her mom and get to see the kind of soul she is. She's just a very she I tell people all the time, she's she's just the coolest human being I know. You know, she's she is. She's just such a she's such a, a great soul, you know what I mean? Yeah. So she inspires me so much. In terms of, you know, somebody that maybe isn't family, because my family members inspire me. We've been through a lot together. My my siblings inspire me because they're, you know, still out there, you know, in the world thriving and, and finding their way after so much that we went through growing up. So my, my siblings and my family really inspire me. But, you know, out in the world, I think hey, there's so many people that I get inspiration from on the daily you know i'm big into jay shetty i really enjoy him obviously oprah Um, (laughs) people with great yeah you know people with really even the unknown people with great stories that i that are kind of the unknowns you know inspire me because they're out there sharing their their stories they're sharing their hearts they're sharing their souls and Poetry is a big thing. I'm a huge reader. I read all the time. Every morning I have my routine of, you know, a cup of tea and meditation and reading is a, is a, you can pretty much know that that's how I start almost all of my mornings. But people that are out there pouring their hearts out inspire me. I have, you know, these books. One of my very favorite poets is, his name is Bo Taplin. And he just pours his heart out. He pours his broken heart out. He pours his soul out. He pours everything out into his poetry. And for me, people like that, that are unapologetically sharing their true 
truth or their brokenness and their experiences in their life, that takes a lot of courage to do that, to put all of that out into the world. And so people like that really inspire me. Yeah, I'd have to say my daughter is my biggest inspiration. Um, But I agree with you. I I get inspired by people that are so open about so much uh, so many things in their mm-hmm. lives, whether it's bad or it's good or like like you, you are a huge inspiration to me because you share so much and and you do yeah. it so you can possibly help somebody um, and, and, and let people know that if you have PTSD and you feel this way, you're not alone, that other people do feel this way. And, and it doesn't mean that it has to control you. And, and that's why you have um, inspired me um, to think all the time. Well, uh, you, you make me so I positive. Mean, <laughs> so positive. <laughs> oh, man, that's the highest compliment. Uh-huh. I mean, just the highest compliment. Thank you so much. And, and for you and I both right now, because you're choosing to be open with everything you waited and it was in your own time. And when you were ready, you were ready and you're going for it. But for me, you know, I, I don't know why, and I'm not even going to try to figure out why not only was I, whether it's chosen for this to happen to, or however you want to say that, but I'm able to talk about it. I'm able to share. It helps me to share. I, don't I like being vocal and I'm very visual and I think that not everybody has that gift or that skill or that ability um, to do that and for those of us who do and for those of us who feel compelled to do that I feel like we are messengers and I feel like if we don't do it we're it's a disservice and we're not living out our authentic purpose and so for me just sitting back and going, okay, God, or the universe, or whatever you like to refer to divine energy as, I sit back and go, okay, I don't know why I was gifted with being able to do this and being able to talk about it and being able to share and being articulate and being whatever it is that I'm able to share with people in the way that I share it. But I don't, I feel like it would be a a sin to just ignore it because I feel like people like you and I who have gone through something like this and actually feel compelled at whatever point in your journey to share it, to help inspire other people to heal. I don't think that should be wasted. Yeah. I feel the same exact way. I feel the same exact way. I mean, it took me a lot of years to really start to be, to actually share, um, everything I've been through and how I felt and, and all that. But now that I'm, I'm so comfortable, um, and I don't even really want to use the word comfortable, it helps me to share. When I share mm-hmm. how I'm feeling and, um, and what, I'm, what I've been through, it, it helps me mentally with my healing. And if I help somebody else, that's a bonus. Um, right. But, and I feel the same way as you. I feel as if I'm supposed to be doing this. Um, it took me a few years, 
But I guess I just wasn't ready before, but now I am ready, and, and I'm supposed to be doing this, and this is what I want to do, and and yeah. I have hopes of helping people. And like you and said, you know it would be a it's great scary. disservice if I didn't. Right. And I think what a lot of people don't know is, even though I'm out there and I'm sharing all of this stuff, it's it's scary for me. There's times when, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm – you know, because there's going to be people out there who are going to say whatever they're going to say or feel whatever Judge. they're going to feel. But yeah. it's scary to put yourself out there. It's scary to start a podcast. A lot of people want to and never take that step. So, you know, kudos to you for overcoming the fear because there's definitely fear attached to saying, all right, I'm just going to go, you know, be authentic out in the world and I'm going to put a positive message out there. I don't even know if one single person's going to listen. I have no idea. Yeah. I can't control how people listen. I can't control how people are going to respond. But I can control whether or not I decide to do this and commit to doing this and enjoy it for myself regardless of the outcome. And But it, it's it's scary. So I think people that overcome the fear of, you know, doing, doing the work that we do, um, I, I think bravo to us for doing that exactly you know? bravo to us yep and and you're yeah. right there's going to be people out there that judge i've dealt with judgy people my whole entire life and i just don't make room for them anymore oh, yeah. so you know people judge oh well I, I it doesn't it doesn't affect me anymore and i hope they know that and it just doesn't matter <laughs> they don't matter anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, it takes a lot for me to take things personal anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, you haven't been through what I've been through, so how, you know, why should I take how you feel personally, you know, whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. good for you. Yeah. Next. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's how I feel about, okay, well, thanks for sharing. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. me and my... Me and one of my best friends always say, bye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for sharing. Bye. <laughs> so where's Michelle going to be in 10 years? Mm, that's a great question. 10 years, that's pretty far out there. I have no clue where I'm going to be, but. Okay, I, let's say five years. Five years, my company is going to be at least triple in size I will be traveling for pleasure more than work discovering people and places that I share the planet with I will be a grandmother by then my daughter's all in love and moving in with her love so I think wedding and babies is happening in the next five years so I'll be a grandmother through experience being a grandmother is the yes. best thing in the world. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm just not. I don't know what to do. I'm not ready. She's like, she went to the desert this weekend, and her boyfriend was joking with me, and he's like, how about we make your grandbaby this week? I'm like, don't you dare. <laughs> I am not ready. I'm just not. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I believe I will also have a third book out in five years. Um, and a workbook and a book of poetry and my 53 pieces of post-traumatic artwork I want to put into a coffee table book 
Um, that, oh that, I mean, it is all about PTSD. I should, I'll send you these. I'll send you the link to these so you oh, can check please, it out. Please they're on do. my They're on my Facebook page. Go to my Facebook page and go to my photos and go to my albums, and you'll see my PTSD artwork um, album in there. Oh, I will. And then, I and then will. call me. I, re- I want to talk. I want to hear your, I would love to hear your perspective about the art. But I really would like that to be a coffee table book for. Um, trauma therapist offices literally oh everywhere. God, that would be awesome. I would love to have so that that's where in my office. Yeah. I need to write everything <laughs> I just said. I need to write all those goals, five-year goals down now. <laughs> You're committed. That is, that is the best now way I'm to committed. achieve goals. Write them down. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. So you want to talk a little bit about Verb, um, Verb Media Group? I would love to. It is such a it is just such a passion for me to create visual content and tell people stories in a visual way is really fun, you know? Um, but I started it, like I said earlier, you know, to have the flexibility in owning my own company where I could create my own hours so that I could show up and be there for my daughter with her MS because she's had, you know, she's had some relapses. Um, she went away to college. She was determined. We even went and walked some campuses and did some campus tours for college in her wheelchair in another state because she was just so determined to have the I'm going away to college experience, and she did. But she relapsed at college twice and ended up having to come back home and live with me and then going to San Diego State here locally, which she loved. Um, But I really wanted to create something that had the – flexibility for me to be able to be the mom that I needed to be for her and with her. Um, and so it has grown. It started with just me and one point and shoot camera and one client that just gave me a shot. And that was about eight years ago. And they gave me, they gave me my first chance at creating video. And ever since then, I just, I basically lived off the top ramen and every extra penny I had, I would just put into studying and online courses and new equipment and better equipment and just growing, 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 getting the word out, showing up at places and, you know, doing, you know, video content for people for free and just giving them, you know, photos and videos and stuff for free just so that people could see, you know, how good my work was. And, um, and so now we are, you know, we've been in business a while and we do all kinds of events and, lifestyle and sports and travel and all kinds of great stuff. Everything from small retreats and masterminds to large scale events that we do all the behind the scenes, all the promotional video stuff, testimonials and things like that for lots of different kinds of events. And we also launch podcasts and produce podcasts and do all of the recording and all of everything related to podcast production and uh, we're having a blast. So, yeah, we do video, photo, and podcast production for events, CEOs, entrepreneurs, influencers, travel, sports, and lifestyle. We're really having a great time with it. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. And you do a lot of traveling with that, so that's right up your, right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, and people say it all the time, too. They're like, oh, my gosh, we're having so much fun traveling. What you don't understand is when I'm traveling for an event, we're the first ones there and the last ones to go to bed. So those are right. about 
Those are probably 16 hours a day on average for me oh, when wow. we're traveling to all these places. So we try to get there a day early and stay a day late so we can actually just take a moment to enjoy, you know, ourselves wherever we're at. But those yeah. event days, what people don't know, I'm on my feet running around for about 16 hours a day. Wow. Yeah. But you're having yeah, a blast a doing it. Of... What? But you're having a blast doing that. I am. And we're, we've grown so much that we now have three other videographers that I send out to film the event so that I can oh, wow. stay more in the background and grow the business and really focus on some of the other, you know, executive tasks that need that I need to pay attention to because I just, I can't have a camera in my hand and go film all of these things and grow the business at the same time and yeah. focus on some of the things I need to do on an executive level. So I need to work sort of above the business instead of in the business. Yeah. Uh, and so now we're, we're outsourcing. I re I rarely do any of the editing. We have, uh, we have a videographer right now in an event in Vegas right now. We've got another one filming an event here in San Diego tonight that I'm, I'm not doing either of those because I, I just need to be focused on other executive tasks that uh, require my attention. So we've now grown to where we, can assign videographers to different events and different projects and a social media manager that we are, you know, having manage our social media and our clients' social media. So we've got a lot going on, a copywriter. So we're growing, which is really fun. It sounds it. You're also doing a, um, a podcast. You, you also have a podcast. Yeah. So me, during the pandemic, so I'm single and middle-aged and so is one of my best friends. And we're hilarious because you are very Dolly Parton. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you listened to it? Yes, I have. <laughs> so funny. Um, so and we're very open about being single, middle aged, right? Yep. Dating, bodies falling apart, sex. <laughs> I mean, we are talking about like really the real deal about what it's like to be single and middle aged and what's going on. And then we talk about other things, too, like the depression that my co-host really went into a, a pretty deep depression during the pandemic. And we were very open and honest about that. So we talk about, you know, just body image and what's going on in the pandemic and depression and the difference between reality and social media and being authentic there. We talk about some really serious topics as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, she's the friend that I met through another friend, like, I don't know, 28 years ago, something like that. Um, and she's very Dolly Parton. And I'm very granola hippie. And so we met each other at a party and we were like, we are never going to get along. Like, who invited Barbie to the party? And she was like, who invited the tree hugger? And we were like, we're never going to get along. We have zero in common. Okay, fast forward. We are like the best of friends, hilarious together. And so during the pandemic, we were bored, and I'm like, we should start a podcast. And our friends call us Dolly Parton and Dolly Lama. So we started a podcast called Dolly and Dolly. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I, I listen to really, you guys. And it's super funny. I listen yeah. to you guys, and I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to sit down and have a glass of wine with them one night. Because <laughs> you guys are so, so hilarious. You guys really are, yeah. and, and people need to. I hope people look up your and podcast because you know, it's hilarious. Podcast, say that again. 
I hope people look. I mean, we're gonna post your um, the name of your podcast, and um, I, I strongly encourage people to listen to it because it is so funny. It, you guys are hilarious together. Thank you. Well, I'll be starting after my book. It's all gonna be the next. The podcast is just gonna be me really being open and honest and oh. sharing my thoughts on healing and a little bit a very different tone. Than Dolly and Dolly, so I'll be launching that over the next few months. Oh, well, I'll definitely have to look for that. Absolutely. Keep us posted. Yeah, really. I'll send it to you as soon as I, as soon as I launch it. Sounds right. fantastic. I have to find time in my schedule to record that stuff. It's like, <laughs> people don't know that it's, just, it's a little more work than what people imagine. Yes, oh, yes it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> As we figured know. that out. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> but it's so fun. It's so rewarding. And um, I know me and Amanda are just having a blast with it. And, Absolutely. And uh, I can't, I can't, I can't picture myself not doing this now. It's, it's just something that I know I'm going to be doing for a very long time. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, uh, thank you so much for for being my guest today it was just such a pleasant like conversation and, and I mean to be honest with you too for, from my perspective listening to both of you you know amazing surviving you know a warrior woman um hearing about your healing process and hearing about um what you're doing with your lives now um even though um both of you guys went through very very uh very different circumstances um Hearing about your path um, on healing and, you know, how you are these amazing role models for your daughters and hearing about your tools. Both of you guys are really uh, such an inspiration. And I think that this was an amazing conversation. And Michelle, it was fantastic to talk with you. I can absolutely say... Michelle, you and I are so much the same in our personalities. I was just sitting here just just nodding as I was listening to you talk. And um, some some don't know, I was a single mother as well. Um, so I can so relate with so many of the great points you brought up about just being that role model and, you know, um, really leading by example with your children. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, thank you so much um, for taking the time. Um, to have this amazing conversation with us. It was, it was a really amazing, um, amazing, amazing to just sit here and listen to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. Um, I, 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 I'm so happy to be here and, you know, just have a candid conversation and be able to, you know, reach your listeners. And I think that we're going to, I, 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 you know, again, you asked me in five years, I, in that five years, maybe we can both add to that list that we're going to do some work together. Oh, absolutely. Because um, I think that would be just phenomenal if that ever worked out in whatever way. We'll just put it out in the universe right now that if that's something that's meant to be, I'm very open to that. And oh. I've, I've loved, I've loved this conversation and I've really just, I, I really have enjoyed this, and I've just enjoyed knowing you over the past, you know, several years, however long we've been connected, and this is yes, another level for me and knowing you that's been really enjoyable. Myself, too. Like, uh, we've got to make it clear that we've only spoke on the phone or, or 
chatted online. We've never physically met. <laughs> and that, that will happen one day. That is on my bucket Not list. Yet. Just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Michelle. Well, thank you, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you all so much. And if anybody wants to, you know, learn more about the company, they can go to verbmediagroup.com if they want to. I'm also on Instagram. They can follow Michelle Renee on Instagram. I'm kind of, I'm there. As you say, I'm everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to connect with any of your listeners. Anybody can DM me if they have any questions or anything at all. Great. Great. Thank you. All right. Ladies, have a great rest of the day. and Thank you again. You too. Thank you, mm -hmm. Michelle. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to hear all future episodes. Click into our link tree too in the episode description to find and follow us on all our social medias. And it also links to our website, invisible-tears.com, where you can keep current on any events that may be coming up, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases. We want to hear your questions that you have for any of us so we can answer them in Q&A episodes going forward. So if you have any questions for us, send us an email to invisible.tears1966 at gmail.com. Make sure you put Q&A in the subject line and we'll do our best to answer all questions that come in to us. If you are looking for everyday items, clothes, collectibles, or a gift for that special someone, you can support us further by checking out our retail store, The Frugal Marketplace. We can be found at thefrugalmarketplace.com or search for us on eBay and Poshmark. We hold an online claim sale on Facebook Live every Monday night at 7 p.m. where you can find our latest items for sales or items at a deep discount. If you're local to the area, please stop in and say hi. You can find us at 919 West Swansea Road in Swansea, New Hampshire. The links for our products can be found in our show notes. If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15-minute consultation booking button if you have any questions about what might work for you. Evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.